How's everybody doing today? So welcome to Wednesday service, and if you're watching us online, we are great that you are here with us. Hopefully you can quiet everything around you, and uh, we can hear what the Holy Spirit wants to tell us. Uh, let's pray. Mighty King of glory, we worship you today. Father, we, we thank you for, for worship, O King of glory, God. We thank you, God, because that's a cry from our hearts, O King of glory. Just loving on you, God, and saying thank you for being with us throughout the days, throughout our lives, oh God, overcoming so much in our lives, oh God. You continue to be so good to us in so many ways, God. All you've done, honestly, we cannot count it all, Jesus, but just say you are worthy and we are so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for having us here today, O King of Glory, God. Thank you, Jehovah God, because we come to draw near to you, God. I know, Father, that we have questions, we have concerns, we have, we just, some, some of us just want to praise you and worship you. Whatever it is, God, we know that you already know, Father. And so, as we come before you, God, we ask you, Lord, that you may search our hearts, O King of Glory, God, and meet us where we are seeking you, O King of Glory, God. I thank you for your word today, God. I pray that you may move me out of the way completely, God, so you can speak to your people, O King of Glory, God. I pray a covering over your word in the name of Jesus, that the enemy will not steal it in the precious name of Jesus, God. And I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys ready? Awesome. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about rest. Not being arrested, rest. Like, you know, slumber, rest, right? <laughs> so I was looking at uh, the idea of rest, and rest is an amazing thing. How many of you guys like to rest? All right, about 30, 40, 50, okay, maybe 60%, okay. The rest, we'll talk about it. At the end, you tell me what you think about it. Um, and when you think about rest, it's very, very appealing. And it's so appealing that we came up with stuff like TGIF, right? Because everybody's working Monday through Friday, and so, man... Just around Tuesday, then you're like, man, it's so close to TGIF, right? <laughs> and I was looking at some statistics. In 2019, Americans, either vacationing here or outside the country, they spent $1.1 trillion on vacation. That's T, trillion with a T. That's a lot of money, right? And then on an average, a person spends about $1,979 per vacation, and then the average vacation is 17 to 20 days a year. So, you know, that's, that's the average. Of course, there's so many other people that don't want to take vacation because they got to continue working, but that's another sermon for another day. Okay? So we do value our rest so much that we look, we, we work very hard and we look forward to a weekend or a vacation, true? The only issue with these vacations and these days off and this weekend is that they have an end. Right? I know that we're going to continue to strive for our TGIF. We're going to strive for our vacation. However, the writer of Hebrew is talking about a promise of a rest like no other. And if we look at our Hebrews 41, 4.1 all the way to 11, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear at least any of us seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they had did not profit them, not, because, not being mixed with faith in, uh, in those who had it. For we who have believed do enter the rest, as he has said, I sow in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
although the works were finished from the foundation of the from the world for he has spoken in certain places in the seventh day in this way and god rested on the seventh day from all his work and again in this place they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of their disobedience again he designate he designates a certain day saying in david today after such a long time as it has been said today if you hear my voice do not harden your heart for if joshua had given them rest then he would have not afterward have spoken of, of another day there there remains therefore a rest for the people of god for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as god did for himself let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest lest anyone falls according to the same example of disobedience so the writer of hebrew is saying therefore well the promise of entering his rest still remain it is freely offered today so he's guaranteeing that is a rest right because it's a promise that god's going to keep and then he says it's unlike the vacations and the weekends that we earn there is a free it's offered freely for us today but then he cautions and says let us fear and that's not the fear of scared it's more like let's be diligent with thinking about the things that are going to happen let us fear in case any one of you may seem to have come short of reaching it and thinking he had come in too late so he's saying that there is a promise of rest it's free but just because it's free and it's there you got to be careful because you might think that it's coming to a weekend and it doesn't end up happening. And it seemed like this with the Israelites, they have been enslaved for 400 years. Think about that. They have been enslaved for 400 years. You think your work week is heavy? Think about 400 years of being enslaved, right? And the issue is Moses is sent to them and they are rebellated. They get the tickets to go on vacation, to go on rest forever. But you know what happens? Because of their disobedience, they did not enter. Right? And that's what the writer is saying. Be very careful that even though you are liberated, even though you are saved, even though you love Christ, even though you are doing the things, you have to endure this race to the end. You can't just grab your ticket and say, I have gotten it. Now I don't need to do anything else. I'm guaranteed that I'm going to enter. And see, this is not just for, this is not just for them because Matthew 11, 28, 30 says, come to me all who are lab- who, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is saying, I know you are going through stuff. I know that life is hard. I know that there's corona, I know there's all those things that are going on, but my yoke is lighter, right? Bring, let me show you. And when you think about it, you think, well, we get saved, we should wait and rest when we get to heaven. But see, Jesus is so good, he's saying, let me start showing you what it feels like eventually when we go to that rest. So the, the yoke is saying, give me, give me your burdens right now so you can live a simpler life, well, not simple, but you can live a better life because he's gonna take the burden. He's, he, it's a, it's almost like a trailer to where we're gonna go when we get to heaven. There is a promise to enter the rest. This is a guarantee, but the thing is, it says some will enter. So which means that some will not enter. Think about that. 
Think about walking up to an airport. You've been working so hard for a vacation. You've been, you've been really, you did your hours. You did your planning. You booked the favorite place. You're going to be going to Bahamas for, you know, a, a month, a week, whatever, right? And you have everything planned. You've already told your friends. You've, you've, you've had these things that you've been planning for maybe the next, for the last three years. And you get, to be, to, you're going to board your plane ticket, you have your plane ticket, you're going, you're carrying your bags, and you go in, and they look at your, they look at your, um, your boarding pass, and they say, come on, we are upgrading you to first class. That's a good feeling, right? Right? But let's play the opposite, and those are some that are going to make it. But let us play the other part where you worked hard, you planned your vacation, you told your friends, you did all these things, and you're looking forward, and you walk up to the cruise line, See how I did airplane because at least it goes to heaven. You went to, you went to a cruise and as you went to get in, in all seriousness, they say, no, you cannot be part of this vacation. And I feel like that's what happens to us. We love Jesus. We do the things that are required of us. Sometimes we get comfortable, but then a time is going to come when it will be that time in the ticket and you're either going to be the dude who's get, the lady or guy who's going to be getting on the airplane or you're going to be the person who's going to be denied to go. And it's that simple because that is a promise. It says the promise says some will enter. That's the promise. So unfortunately, some will not enter. See, these are great reassurance because we as a world do not deserve it at all. Right? Think about it. We, with our sinful nature, with our minds, with our thoughts, with our idea, our intention, our selfishness, we don't deserve it. But because God is merciful, he's very merciful, he says, some of you have that promise and guarantee that we're going to enter. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man on earth who does, who does good and does not sin. That's me and you. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come for, have, sh- have fallen short of God's glory. Yet there's a promise that stands that says, you and I have an opportunity brother, through the blood of Jesus. It's a promise. And that to me is what keeps me happy because I know if God has promised and he said that, then there is an opportunity. Because the, the same God would have said, you know what? I know you guys are just same thing like he said with the Israelites. You guys, none of you is going to enter. But he gives us that opportunity to be able to enter his rest. And I know that God is true because even Joshua 21, 40 say, 41, 5 says, No one, no one of the, no, not one of the good promises which the Lord has made to the house of Israel failed all came to pass. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So the promise that has been put when God says that you, some, are going to enter, that means really some of you are going to enter. In that good news, there's some really bad news. In fact, the worst news when you think about it, that some will inherit the promise, but others are not going to inherit the promise. And it's so easy for us to think about it, to think about it and say, you know, I have everything right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But we have to constantly, constantly, constantly allow God to search our heart. To search our hearts deep inside. Because there is no reason why the Bible would say that 
be, be, have fear that you might fall short like they did. That means there is a big, big chance of us thinking that we are okay, thinking that we are doing the right things, thinking that we are, we are doing Christianity, and then to get to that point, and it gets to a point that we cannot enter that rest. So we must, we must, we must look at our life and think. When, I, when you think about it, when you hear that some are going to enter and some are not going to enter, does that bring joy or sorrow to your heart? When you look at your life, not other people, but when you look at your life, does that bring joy or does it bring sorrow to your life? Because I had to evaluate myself as I went through this message. I'm like, when I think about some who enter and I'm, I'm not thinking about other people, I'm thinking myself and I'm putting myself, I'm thinking, are there things in my life that I need to change? Are there things in my life that I need to adjust because I do not want to be on the other side of some? I want to be part of the sum, right? Because I know that with my sinful nature, it's so easy for me to guarantee myself and tell me that I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing the word of whatever God wants me to do. But really, if I allow God to search my deep secrets in my heart, my intentions, my thoughts, all those things, am I really part of the sum or am I really part of the sum? And that's challenge for you today. The question is, are you part of the sum or are you part of the other sum? You tell me. Verse 2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to all of us, to, to, to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them for, for not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, hearing is an opportunity, but the profit comes when it's mixed with faith. Let me repeat that. Hearing is an opportunity. That's why you see, when you see two people hear the same word of God, Right? One person is in tears because they realize the gravity of their sin and what they have been doing and what's going on in their life, while the other person is just praying around with their coffee cup. And you wonder, because one person is taking the word as an opportunity and just mixing it with faith because they trust and they believe what God has said. Another person is just taking the word for its face value. See, lots of people have have um, ideas. I do as well. But action is required to bring those ideas to life. Same concept. You, you have to allow the word of God to take root in your heart. And you have to have faith. And when you have faith, then that word will work. See, the Bible clearly says that without faith, we cannot please God. Right? And so it doesn't matter how much word I hear. It doesn't matter what, what, how the word comes. If I have no faith at all, it doesn't please God. Right? So I do have faith is a very, very big part of the component of the word, right? So my question for you today is, where is your faith anchored in? Where is your faith anchored in? Reveal that to me, Lord. That should be our prayer every single day. Lord, show me where my faith is. What am I? Because I might say that I trust you, God. And if you ask, does anybody trust God? Yes. But then something in your life come and is shifted, and then your heart changes or your life changes because then that is not where your 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 heart is, right? If anything, during this season, that's what we've seen that there's been a lot of shifting and shaking, and then it has been so hard for us. We talk about we talk about hey God, this you know um, we are looking at God, and we are like, I think I'm okay. 
But then something comes in and it starts changing to the left and changing to the left. And we move our eyes out of where God is and we start looking at other places. And so when I ask you and I ask myself, these are not questions that I'm just asking you. It's questions that I've asked myself for the last couple of weeks. Where is my faith anchored in? Please, Lord, reveal my heart. Open my heart. Open my heart so you can show me and I can really see where my heart is. Because the last thing I want is to live this life sacrificing. Because being a Christian is a sacrifice with the thing that we do in this generation. And then I get to the ticket line. I get to the board and then God says, no, you are not part of the psalm that's going to be entering. What a sad day. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepares beforehand that we should walk in them. We are workmanship. We have been created to work. And that's the thing. We go to work Monday through Friday or whatever hours we do. We are never late for work. We do overtime. We try to please the boss. We do all those things. And those things are vanities, things that are going to disappear. Yet when we need to work in our, we need, we need to spend time in our Bibles. We need to spend time in praying. We need time to, to spend time fasting. We can do those things because we are not anchored in Christ. Because really, if we value Christ and his life, don't you think we'll be doing more of that than the other things? I'm not saying quit your job and pray 24-7. But I'm just saying that when you look at your life really and see the effort, if I took an effort and said, hey, I put in 30% effort at work, are you really doing 30% effort with Christ? If you put 120 at work, where does God rage in that spirit? When you go to your prayer, whether it's 10, 15 minutes, are you that committed for that 10, 15 minutes, 100% or you're just doing it to check a box and say, God, I prayed, I talked to you. Really, what kind of relationship is that? Where is our heart anchored? See, if we continue the way we are, if we continue to just check the box, do all those things, I'm sure we're going to be part of the psalm that do not enter. We have a work to do. We have to work hard to attain what has been set before us. It's freely given to you, but we have to work hard to get it. Verse 6 says, since, it remains, since therefore it remains that some must enter, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. And you're talking about the Israelites here. Think about, the, we talk about the 400 years. They've been enslaved. Moses comes in and rescues them. And you can just imagine that day when they are all walking out. And they're happy and God is before them and there's a cloud over them and there's fire that's going before them and they love Christ, right? But fast forward within the 40 years. What a sorrow that at something that started so joyfree would slowly by slowly people would start dying because of the disobedience. 40 years, something that started out so great, something that was beautiful, But then, because of disobedience, change. And now for 40 years, it's sorrow every single day as the 40, the people who all had come from Israel are dying over the 40 years. Not getting to the promise. Not even close to the promise. They are dying every single time. What a sorrow because of disobedience. 
There was great joy when they left and great sorrow when they couldn't make it to the promised land. Imagine the tragedy. Think about it. But this is what what God said. He saw because of their disobedience that they do not enter. This Israel will not enter their promised land. Disobedience brings wrath to Christ. And today, if you do not hear his voice, if you harden your heart, God has said and he's sworn that you're not going to enter his rest unless you give your life to Christ. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same way he said they are not going to enter is the same way he said if you do not know Christ, if you don't submit your heart to Christ, then guess what? That is the same thing and God doesn't change. He's the same. And everything that he said before, it shall come to happen. Joshua 14, 16, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to me, uh, to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to me except through the Father. See, a prayer has been prepared, a place has been prepared for some to enter. A place of rest. A place of joy. A place where we don't have to worry about the things that we worry about. If anything, think about I know we talk a lot about the season because that's what we've been. Think about the season that we've been. It's been a hard season. It's been a hard season. And not funny, haha, but funny enough, the Bible says that as we continue, things are going to get worse. Right? Now think about that. You have already endured Corona and you think that that's one of the worst things we've ever faced in our life. Yet God is saying that, behold, this is just a preparation of things to come. Then we go through all that next and we hold on to the word of God. And then we get to the gates of heaven. It says, because we never checked our heart, because we really never allowed God to work in our heart, then I'm not going to let you enter. What a tragedy. Right? What a tragedy. That we endure all these things. We go through all these things. And then we get to that point and we do not enter his rest. See, a place has been prepared for some to enter and that's rest to be in the presence of God. I don't have to worry about anything when I get to heaven. God takes care of that. And also, unfortunately, a place has been prepared for some to enter, a place of no rest and agony. And the good thing is today we have a choice. Today we have a choice. You have a choice. You can choose that I'm going to follow Christ. And if you are following Christ, you're going to tell God, God, reveal my heart to me. Show me my heart so then I know where I'm at. If there are things that I need to work on, Lord, help me. Help me so I can continue doing that. If there are things that, that, that are beyond you, he's a good, good father. He will help you and he will carry you through. Verse 11 says, let us, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Let's make every effort, everything you do, let's make every effort to enter the rest, to know and experience it for ourselves, so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience and those who died in the wilderness. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, now so much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, that's one thing is I see we Christians and myself included, we, we take this salvation and we, we joke and we, we, 
we indulge ourselves in something. Let's say we indulge in like movies that are, oh, I can, you know, it's okay. It's just a little couple of cuss words in there. It's not a big deal. Or we, we, we go places like, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be fine. You, you're behaving in, you, you are hanging out with the wrong people. You are talking to the wrong people. You are, you are doing things that are just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I'm still a Christian. And we say that's okay. And I've fallen short of as well. Right? But the Bible is saying that we should work your salvation with fear and trembling. Because nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody knows where we, you're going to be tomorrow. It could be that moment. And if you took anything of Christ lightly, you might be before him ask, answering, answering to him. Philippians 2.12 says, therefore, my beloved, oh, I just read that. I guess I need to read it again. Philippians 2.12 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as much in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is not fear, like the fear, not in, in the way we are, but it's, it's with, with the reference of what we possess, an amazing gift and promise. Right? I know I feel like, We are getting beat up today, myself included. But the thing is, God is saying, this is an amazing gift and promise that I've given you. It depends on whatever you focus on expands. If you look at, oh man, that is so bad and so many things are going on wrong. Or you can look at, wow, even in my sinful nature, even in my way of thinking, even in my own way of doing things, that God still has a promise for me. It's, a, it's, like a, well, it's like a kid who, who goes out there, you know, the prodigal son who goes out there and wastes and then he comes back to dad and he's like, I don't think you're going to receive me. But dad is still waiting. And that's the same thing that God is doing. He's saying there is still time, but we have our work to do. See, I pray that, that we finish this race well, that we never lose hope and we never lose what we are carrying because it's so precious. When, when you look at the things around us, we have hope, we have joy because of Christ, right? We've endured this season much better than a lot of other people who, are, who have fear in a lot of things because we have joy, because we have Christ, right? Matthew twenty five twenty one says, his, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, God is not asking you to do so much. He's not saying have a laundry list for you to do so you can prove that you are good. He's saying the little things, the little things, whether it's that 10 minutes of prayer, whether it's that Bible reading that you have, whether it's that one day of fasting, he's saying, if I can trust you with these little things, I can trust you with more and you can come to my rest. This is not a call of you doing so much. God doesn't need that. He needs you to do whatever you are doing. He needs 110%. Right? Because if we are doing other things 110%, we should be able to give God more than that. Some will enter, some will not. Which part, are, which part of the psalm are you? Verse 7 says, Today do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear this message, don't deny yourself this rest. Do not deny yourself this rest. We're going to close here in just a minute. And uh, we're going to play a song and give you an opportunity to, an opportunity to, to speak to God. Uh, we're going to, uh, the online people, the song is going to be on the comments. We're going to shut that down in a minute. And 
This song says, I need you, Lord, to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. Give me faith to trust what you say, that God, you are good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, but I still give you my life. All I am, I surrender, because I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail God, but you will never do. Right? So go ahead and uh, online people. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.